Happy day and welcome to Our Power is Within. I am your host, Chasmith, aka Just Chaz, and I am on a mission to inspire people to take their power back and realize that each and every one of us has a healer within our own self. When we can create an environment that supports healing and get out of our own way, we are truly capable of healing in mind, body, and soul. For those of you who are new to the show, welcome and thank you for being here. And for those of that have been following along, I thank you so much for your continued support and being with me on this journey. If you would like to help me spread this message, some simple ways to do this are by leaving a review on Apple Podcast sharing an episode with a friend, or even posting your favorite episode on your social media. And tag me at our power is within on Instagram. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your help. <laughs> and if you listened to last week's episode, did you guys start your one song dance party yet every day? And if so, how was it? I hope that you're having fun moving and grooving. I think that half the time I dance to my own music in my head. (laughs) It's like um, an impromptu dance party. And uh, yeah, I don't know. They work for me. (laughs) Um, This week, uh, I'm going to pull in one one of the pieces of advice from last week's episode with Dan, which... um, By the way, if you have not listened to last week's episode, I really encourage you to do so because Dan has this wonderful gift of calm. So um, I feel like anybody can really benefit from just Dan's perspective. It's It's pretty spectacular and calming. And yeah, anyways, I hope you enjoy it if you have not already. And this week's challenge is going to be for you to stop periodically throughout your day to just check in with yourself and be present for even a moment at a time. Maybe you could take a few deep breaths and just notice if you can bring yourself into the present now moment in a calm way. If you find yourself struggling to remember to stop and pause, a really nice approach is to set a few alarms on your phone throughout the day as a gentle reminder. That way, when the alarm goes off, you can just stop what you're doing for 30 to 60 seconds, take a few conscious breaths, maybe even smile, (laughs) think of something you're grateful for, Um, you know, whatever feels right for you. It's just being conscious, being present, taking and giving yourself a moment. And like I've said before, it's all these little things that we do every day over and over that truly yield the big results over time. So try it out and let's see if we can all bring a little bit more calm, ease, and presence into our lives over this next week. Today's guest is Dr. Kathleen King. I know this episode is a little long, but trust me, it's worth it. This conversation gets juicy, and we talk about so many wonderful new things on this show. We talk everything from primal trust and what that means. We talk about exploring and experiencing different modalities for different reasons and how different practices can really complement one another 
And we even talk a little bit about ascending into our best version of self and awakening to our true nature so that we can live our best lives. Today's chat was a really fun chat, so I'm definitely looking forward to bringing Dr. Kathleen King back onto the show, and I hope you guys enjoy today as much as I did. Also, don't forget to check out the show notes where I provide links to her website so that you can take advantage of her free three-day resiliency program, as well as sign up on her wait list for her next Primal Trust Mentorship, which will begin in April. (laughs) Yay. I'm actually currently in the program. I'm doing it like self-study at my own pace, and I already really love how she has brought some beautiful wisdom and different concepts into one place. As you will quickly realize um, throughout this episode, she has a very um, wonderful gift in how she explains and makes sense of some things that could come across as complex. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a gift for sure. And it shows in her, in her mentorship. So um, yeah, enjoy the show. All right, you guys, I want to welcome Dr. Kathleen King to the show today. I feel like we are in for a really exciting treat getting to have this conversation with her. Um, So welcome, Kathleen. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yay. (laughs) As I've already told you, I'm just, yeah, I'm blown away as I read about your bio and just your about you and your story. I'm just really excited to get to see where this conversation goes today because you bring so much to the table and you have a really wide array of um, your like a background and diversity in your training methods and your experiences. So yeah, I'm just really excited to chat with you. Awesome. Awesome. Um, So what I was thinking of doing, well, actually, um, I know that you have your own healing story and I'd actually like today to spend a little bit more time focused on your, your expertise because you do have such a diverse background, Mm -hmm. but just to give like a broad general idea for the listeners, um, as I'm reading your bio, I know that you said you have like 20 years of education, you have a PhD, congratulations, um, And you have all this experience and uh, training and all these different fields. And I'm wondering, as far as timeline is concerned, where were you at in your physical healing? Were you healed before this education or were you healing simultaneously? Or did your healing come even later as a byproduct of the education and your coaching experience? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got most of my education prior to my own hero's journey. I read about it, studied it, and then I got to do it, (laughs) unfortunately or fortunately at the time. And then during the journey, I was able to weave a lot of things together that I had learned and pick up some new things. Uh, The things that I picked up would be more of the multidimensional nature of our existence and weaving that into the science background that I'd already had. And so a lot of it was before, it was assimilated during, and then near the end, I put all the pieces together and started to create maps from not only myself, but for others to go through their own transformation process. Mm, I love that. Um, so when I hear you say put maps together, it reminds me of like something that I'm constantly doing, which is 
I feel like I'm always looking at all these different things and connecting dots. Like I'm always, I imagine, you know, I've never seen one of those, like, um, gosh, what are they called? Like shows where they're agents that are like solving crimes or something. And they have that whole wall in the, in their office of, with all the, thumbtacks and string connecting dots. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I feel like that's like me in life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You probably are a pattern. Yeah. You're a pattern recognizer probably, which is why your podcast is weaving together so many different pieces as well. Some of us just happen to have a brain. I always kind of say almost have a slightly autistic brain that sees patterns and um, sees how to disrupt them and sees how to uh, create new ones. Oh, gosh, you said that so wonderfully. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And yeah, it's funny because I have always acknowledged like, hey, this, I think this is a gift, but sometimes it feels like a curse. Yeah. (laughs) And and sometimes it's hard to explain it to people because sometimes like I see things and I don't understand why I know them or see them, but Mm -hmm. I just do. And some people think you're kind of cray cray. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Um, but I've never heard the term pattern recognizer. I like it. Mm-hmm. So in, in your, okay. So were you sick the whole time? Is that what drove <laughs> you to have the passion and desire to learn this stuff? Oh, or? Gosh. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I, first of all, I would say I, I grew up in a dysregulated state since birth, you know, that typical story. Um, so I would say the trauma child, Um, that became very vigilant and driven and perfectionistic. And then in my early 20s, I started to break down physically um, while still learning and being just as driven as I ever was. So, um, yeah, so I was was driven and I was also, you know, dealing with uh, things from from the get-go and early on trying to understand the nature of humanity and understand the people and the the culture that I, I grew up around that was you know, very toxic at the time for me. And then as my body started to break down, um, tried to understand what was going on there. And, uh, you know, I feel like I was just kind of meant to go through the different aspects of um, the victim consciousness, both physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, so that I could come through that and be able to help others through it. Mm, That's so well said. And Yeah, I I read also, I remember reading about how you talk about victim consciousness and how you took ownership and said, hey, I've I've lived those patterns. I've had those experiences. And in order to come out on the other side, and I very much relate to that myself, you know, which I think is why I'm on a mission now to help inspire and empower people to take their power back and assume Mm -hmm. responsibility. And it's, I can only feel that passion and drive because I've had to like pull myself out of the trenches. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I was a master victim, like person, you know, I was really good at it for a long time. So I understand it, you know? Yeah. And to be able to bring compassion to it because it's not a, it's not about being wrong. It's just a state of survival and a state of trying to get needs met. And so I want to make sure that people don't think of it as a judgment, but rather an experience that we have that we learn how to grow through and grow empowered through. So it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's a beautiful process to go through. Absolutely. And I really appreciate you bringing that up because it is so true. It's, I think often that sometimes the way the message of personal responsibility, you know, or like how we create our own reality, I think often it can be 
um, misconstrued or it can be conveyed in a way that people then feel almost guilty or shameful or like they were wrong or they did something like they're, they're at fault. And it's so not that at all. Like I think Peter Crone says it the best when he says we we're, our life today is a byproduct of our past to no fault of our own, you know, but now we have a personal choice to make new, like to make new choices and create a different trajectory of our future. Yes. I've often say that I believe chronic illness, dealing with it and trying to heal from it is often a misguided attempt to resolve our past, trying to resolve our past through fixing an illness. Um, it's, it's an attempt to try to resolve that, but um, there are clues within that illness, within that situation to help you truly find the resolution for the past that you've been seeking your whole life. Yes, absolutely. I think that one of the common themes I hear across, gosh, every guest I have on here is that in our healing experience, we think it starts out purely physical, um, but we learn so quickly that really what it is, is this journey that um, brings us back home or helps us remember the truth of who we are. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And we remember that truth when we peel back all the layers of who we are not and all the conditioning and what we've learned and what we've taken on from other people. And as you said, the traumas, even from birth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, okay. So you obviously then you have your stuff that starts breaking down physically in your twenties. This all kind of together drives you to continue to pursue your education and learn all these things. Mm -hmm. and put them together. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what's your, what's the, what was the secret sauce? Like where was the light bulb <laughs> moment? You know, like light bulb. <laughs> well, the, the light bulb moment moment actually happened in the dark. It happened in the dark when I was bed bound, so brain damaged. I couldn't even stand light sound. My children were outside in another room being taken care of by their nanny uh, because I couldn't do anything. And in that moment was, utter surrender. Like I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure it out. And I realized that my, my healing wasn't um, going to be figured out the way I had been attempting it. In that surrender, I realized that I had to make a choice. If nothing ever changed, could I still love my life? Could I still love my children? And who am I? Who am I in this bed, in this dark place? And from there, it was like things started to shift around for me because I realized that I had been living really out of alignment. I realized that I had been um, living for others. I had been taking on values that were others. There was some process in surrender where I actually met myself. And through that meeting, I started to realize it needed to come from um, starting to be more unapologetic and uncensored with who I was. And from there, I feel like the divine started to bring me, assimilate the map for me that I had been looking for. But it was only going to come to me as I became me. Mm, beautiful and beautifully said. At this point, were you already... So I guess at that point, when you're in bed in this darkness, and I really love that you mentioned the light bulb moment happened in the dark, because isn't that always mm -hmm. often the case? Mm -hmm. um, that is where we see light is in the dark. Mm -hmm. But um, so at this point, were you already, you know, because you said my healing wasn't going to be figured out the way I had been trying to heal. Were you already approaching healing from a more holistic 
standpoint? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I was doing everything. I did, you know, the shamanic stuff, the herbal stuff, the energy stuff, the science stuff. I mean, I had already been trying it all. It's just that it wasn't taking hold in my body because my frequency was out of my own alignment personally. I wasn't, I was going about it through control and force and my higher self had a different path, which was, can you love your life as it is and find who you really are as it is, even in illness, and begin to become a creator, begin to become authentic, unapologetic. Um, and I needed to have a personal shift in my, uh, my own frequency before all of the assimilation those were all good seeds that I had learned all those years. They were ready to germinate and to flower, but not until the time was right or ripe. Once the time was right and ripe, all the stuff that I had been learning all those years started to fall into place and a, a nice little sequence and a map over the next year and a half or so kind of came to me and I, I, I slowly walked out of it. But that's what I say, like it's your time when it's your time to heal. It's your time when it's your time. You can learn everything you want. You can learn everything I have to say, everything that's on this podcast, everything in all the books. And there's often a moment of deep willingness to submit to your inner um, being and um, stop trying to fix yourself and realize there's, 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 there's another process waiting for you um, that's much more of like a spiritual knowing of yourself. And then things seem to fall into place better after that. It's also beautifully said. Um, and I can so relate to all of this as well. <laughs> Something that I've been really working on with myself is exactly aligned to all of that. And just, um, you know, I'm sure you also know, and I'm sure so many listeners can relate to this and that we've all had that moment where, we hear somebody else's, you know, journey and story and we think, oh, they healed so fast. Why haven't I healed yet? What am I doing wrong? Mm -hmm. And I constantly remind myself, what if I'm not doing anything wrong? What if I'm just doing it all right? Mm -hmm. And it's my timeline. It's on, I'm on my path. So it's like, my thing is I say, I look in the mirror and I say, Chasmith, you are right on time. You are perfectly yeah. aligned and you're doing it all perfectly right. Like yeah. it's all okay because I'm, there's not a rush, right? We're doing this work until yeah. we die. So yeah. I don't need to rush it. And I'm human though. Right. So all those fears come back, you know, that next time I hear, Oh, I healed in nine months, but I was so strict and I did everything so right. And then that voice inside, one of them goes, Oh, see, this is why you're not a hundred percent. You're not doing it perfect. And then mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know though, now that's not my truth. That's not my real voice because the soul, the inner voice, that's my real wisdom is soft. And she comes back in and she's like, no, remember, we already talked about this. You're right on time. Yeah, that's right. And I, had the irony many times and you know I was pretty sick for over 10 years but definitely even gosh 15 17 years uh, really dealing with a lot of the physical stuff in that time I helped so many people get well with and I was sitting there like getting worse I'm like what the heck you know this tool just works for them or this practice works for them and for me it just wasn't my time because I was still coming uh, from a place of a lot of control and 
frankly, I had my soul had a, a different journey for me. I needed to learn more so that I could help more people later. And um, yeah, yep, it's it's a humbling process to watch others um, get out of their uh, their situation quicker or in an easier way. That and it's just their that's their journey. It's not yours. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Did you ever, um, at any point in your journey, did you ever realize that you needed to take a break from helping other people so that you could give yourself permission to just be with your own healing? (laughs) Yeah, I think that I realized that, but it was through complete incapacitation where I was so sick that I, I couldn't hardly talk on the phone. I was just like, all right, well, I've got nothing to give. And, um, you know, I, I depleted myself to the point where I had nothing to give. So I wish that would have come consciously, but it didn't. It came um, uh, through just um, through just being unable to. Yeah, and that happens sometimes, right? Yeah. Like sometimes yeah. the universe is like, uh, hey, listen, I've been knocking softly and you're not getting the message. So I'm just going to mm-hmm. be really loud and clear and I'm going to help mm-hmm. you out here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It just reminds me that the universe always really does have our back and is really, truly, um, like, even if we get off our path, we're always going to have the gentle nudge to get back on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So, okay. I know. So, okay. So what's the next step? So you're in this, you have this light bulb moment mm-hmm. and I'm all about, you did all, I love how you said I was planting all the seeds, you know, Mm -hmm. and they just, they were going to grow when it was the right environment. Yeah. But, um, because I also think sometimes, and I don't know, you can, I'd love to hear your opinion. I know a lot of us on this journey, we do, we try this and then we try that and then we do this and then we do that. And then there's one thing we do that we finally like have the healing and we think it's all just that thing because it was the final thing. And I, I kind of, I personally feel that it wasn't that one thing and it can be, I understand how it can be easy to attribute it to that thing, but I feel like even the things that we thought weren't working we're all leading us. We're all helping. They were all, as you said, they were all seeds we were planting. Mm -hmm. And it was just that one thing that was like what the seeds finally needed Mm -hmm. to all grow. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that for me, I had a couple of pivotal moments. I would say I had the moment where I started to realize that at my core, I needed to address the limbic system um, in a couple of different ways. And then that process did, <clears throat> did start putting me on a different trajectory. And that was a process I would say that I was on for a couple of years. And then I had another pivotal moment, which was when I had acquired all of the tools, all of the understanding, all of the, um, uh, I had had enough experience where it was time for me to sit with the core wound, if you would. And this was after I became a coach. This was when, um, you know, a lot of the childhood stuff came full circle uh, where I was confronted with it and had to truly know and uh, carve the valor within my nervous system to not be in a physical illness, but rather to be with the original emotional, mental and spiritual wound that happened in the first place. And that was the second big and probably final, like fighting my dragon, if you will process. 
But all of the tools, all of those years have prepared me to be able to grow up and become this resilient, amazing adult woman who could fully and completely hold space for that child and integrate her. Yes, I love that. Um, what, um, what, what helped you with the sitting with the core wound? What was it that actually really hit home for you? What was the tools like, or what was the practices that you were able to implement that really helped you yeah. solidify that healing? Yeah. Well, I think first of all, limbic system retraining, brain retraining, um, was incredibly important because it helped me to be able to shift the frequency of my thought and feeling state as needed um, to be able to um, not get swallowed whole by the darkness, by the trauma, by that dragon that you have to face at some point. And what I mean is that it's not done all in one sitting. Like you, you work with something that you're having to integrate internally and you need to be able to shift off it and uh, get higher frequency feelings and thoughts going um, rather than swirling in the trauma that might be coming up as you start to somatically embody uh, your past. And mm -hmm. so first of all, brain retraining. And that's always my first pillar, which is emotional regulation. You have to be able to do that. You have to have an adult self that knows how to light up that right prefrontal cortex and visualize um, something positive and self-generate a positive emotional state. It's a tool set that's essential. Um, the second thing is um, becoming clear of who you are and who you're not. Because when you start to embody the past and you start to face these things, the beliefs of the past, the programming that you have is, can be pretty intense. And if you don't know who you really are, um, the temptation to believe uh, in all of this disruptive, destructive belief system can also swallow you whole. So I had a lot of identity reorientation practices, which is another big thing I teach really understanding the difference between who you are, your true thoughts and feelings, and the thoughts and feelings of your programming, the thoughts and feelings of your family line, your culture, your religion, that aren't you. And third, uh, the ability to be present somatically, to be able to hold space of what ends up becoming what I call divine neutrality, uh, and I also talk about this is like a pathway of primal trust. I teach a whole mentorship on it. Being able to be in a state of trust somatically, to hold presence with all of those feelings and energies that have been stuck in your nervous system and energy field your whole life and maybe generationally. And that somatic process is where resiliency, valor, courage, and really knowing the difference between your true nature and all of the taunting that's inside of you, that's your false nature, so that you can compassionately, completely surround those fragmented parts of yourself and link neural pathways and uh, you know, get a sense of polyvagal regulation going amidst having parts of you that are from the past activated. It's ultimately about having your consciousness being able to see your past and be able to be with it without resisting it. So does that make sense? Yeah, it's awesome. You, you can explain things so wonderfully well. <laughs> <laughs> and I love your explanations. That's amazing. 
Yeah. For somebody listening that's like, what does being present somatically mean? Could you give them a brief <laughs> explanation? Because yeah. it's a common question. Yeah, yeah. That means that you probably have feelings in your body that are uncomfortable. And often we have a story or a belief that goes along with those feelings. Like, oh my gosh, what does this mean? Or, oh, they did that to me. Or I'm mad about this person. Or there's a story, there's imagery. Being with your feelings is about literally being with the sensations in your body and not having a story that you resist or not having um, this like ego justification going on in your mind, but being able to truly sit with the feeling of powerlessness, the feeling of shame, the feeling of helplessness, the feeling of fear. And without a story, it's just a sensation, almost like it's a type of it's a musical note on the piano that just has a particular frequency to it. And it's nothing to be fear. It's nothing to fear. It's just a note. It's a frequency. It's a feeling. It's a sensation. Eventually getting to the place where these sensations are as neutral as colors. They're all uh, an aspect of the beauty of being a human. And it's our thoughts and beliefs about the feelings in our body that make them uncomfortable. As a highly sensitive empath, I have had to learn how to be with lots of feelings. I feel my stuff, I feel my client's stuff, I feel my family's stuff. It's the stories and the meaning that make them, make us suffer. So being present somatically is being in the body, feeling mm -hmm. what's there, feeling the energies, feeling the emotions, and being able to be present with it, not needing to fix it, change it, and just noticing, okay, I feel that feeling, and I can be here in this body right now. I can be here in this. To not need to change it, to not yeah. need to get away from it right yeah. away. Just experiencing it. Like you're just the witnesser experiencing a body, having these sensations. And some of them may, might have hot sensations or cool sensations or sharp or dull, but they're sensations. So I have two questions to that. The first question is, do you think it's even necessary to understand the sensation? Like say you feel a sensation in your body is it necessary to even understand it or is it okay to just no, like, I, just let it be? I would let it be. And I used to do a lot of practice having um, like an imaginary blackboard in front of me where I'd feel a feeling and a story would come up on the screen and like, Oh, this is because of this. And there'd be some story and a meaning. And I would just erase the blackboard. Like what is this feeling without any story? It's just a feeling. And the more that your adult, what I call your adult main personality, can sit with those feelings. What it does is it teaches the parts of us that the adult in us isn't afraid and it causes something known as integration to occur between the inner parts that have been fragmented because of intense feelings that you couldn't fully process at the time. And so the more that you sit there able to be with feelings and emotions and practice that um, and again, this is, it's, this is not an entry level skill to do. Like I, I believe brain retraining is probably a first step. If you're going to practice this stuff, it's often best done with a help of a somatic experiencing therapist or a polyvagal regulation specialist at first until you can get enough skill doing it on your own. And then, yeah, learning how to be with your body and, um, in all of its sensations, uh, without story. Hmm. Okay. Um, so I like that you pointed out 
that it's not entry level because my second part of the question that I was going to ask was it, my understanding with most of the brain retraining programs is that we don't go into the somatics, you know, that you avoid the somatic meditations and that we are redirecting, redirecting. Mm -hmm. So I was wondering your opinion Mm -hmm. on Mm -hmm. integrating the two together, maybe not at first, but as Mm -hmm. you calm the limbic system down and there's an in right timing, do you feel that they can go hand in hand? Yes. And in fact, that's probably one of the things that sets me apart um, from a lot of other practitioners out there is that because of my background as a physical therapist, working with both the brain and the body, I know that it's essential to actually do both for full and complete integration. So brain retraining Think of that as like shutting down the, uh, or or silencing the alarm bells in the brain and in the body that are overreactive and um, exaggerated and inaccurate, inaccurate alarm bells that do need to be quieted. And that's really the primary purpose of brain retraining. And through that quieting down of the limbic system, the body starts to run better. But there's another journey to be had, and that's coming back into the body. Distracting yourself out of your body all day long is not living a human life. It's distracting. And yes, it's important to be able to emotionally elevate. And that skill set is essential and it's foundational. And it's a foundation through all of my processes from beginning to end. You're always doing that. But eventually, being able to be in your body and having an uncomfortable emotion arise or uncomfortable feeling and just being able to notice it and witness it as that curious observer and continue to live your life that's resiliency. That's freedom. It's freedom. But being able to do the somatic piece is often a second step and it is integrated. I have a whole brain retraining process where I integrate brain retraining and somatics. I call it my dimensional shift technique. And um, here is a specific sequence. The body process is after, is, it, it is in there and it's done in a very gentle way. Um, And over time, you can develop that presence process to become deeper and more involved. But um, there is a way to weave them together. I think it is a missing piece for a lot of brain retraining because I work with a lot of people who claim recovery only to find that when they go back into relationship in the world, they can't handle it. And their body, they have a hard time being in the body. And they end up doing uh, brain practices all day long just to like make it. And these people often have a really hard time with presence. Now that's not everybody's case. It just depends on how your wiring was in the first place, how your polyvagal regulation system was uh, from growing up. Um, But some people, after they've done brain retraining, they absolutely need to be able to be in the body and do some somatic work to get there. I really love that you are addressing this. I do. This is going to be so important for, I think, so many people listening. And it makes so much sense to me also intuitively. Um, I kind of look at what you're saying about the somatics and being with emotion. For me, um, at about 12 months into my brain retraining, I started doing this and I looked at it as a form of incrementally training. I was like, okay, well, if trauma happens with emotions chemicals and physical trauma, if I'm going to incrementally train the physical and the chemical stuff, shouldn't I also incrementally train my emotions so that I can teach my brain, my nervous system that they're safe and that they're okay. And that I'm allowed to feel the full spectrum of human emotions. Yeah. 
And so that was something that I used as a tool for incremental training myself was I'm, you know, I did somatic and then I also did uh, some deep inner child like journaling mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I coupled it with a round, uh, you know, like with a visualization and a mood elevation because yeah. I wanted to, you know, match um, the elevated mood with this experience. And it was really helpful to be able to just say, sit there with it and say, see, I just let you, wow, look at what we felt today. We felt a lot of really intense emotions and it's okay. They're mm -hmm. safe. Like we're okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. And huge, huge, hugely important for me. Like it was so profound and, um, yeah. yeah so I'm really glad you brought that up. Cause I also felt like it was kind of a missing piece. And like you said, it depends on someone's, you know, where their nervous system was at and what their, you know, everyone's story is so unique and different. So if somebody has that intense emotional trauma and emotional wounds and stored emotional energy, I think that's really productive for them to get to have that experience. Exactly. Yeah. And that's that I think a lot of people hear this and it's can be a little bit unsettling because they want the end all answer to be just, you know, mis redirect and elevate and get on in your life. And, um, you know, for those people that are really afraid of these emotions, like the truth is, is as long as you're living on this planet, you're going to be around those emotions. And not only that, you're going to be around a body that is slowly going to age. So healing and oh, my body feeling great and feeling just wonderful emotions just isn't our reality. It's not right. the reality. Now we need to be able to be able to elevate our emotional state no matter what's going on around us but feeling fear and feeling anger and feeling you know sadness that's that those are emotions that are incredibly beautiful when given the proper perspective and um being with a body that's not functioning per per perfectly that's okay too that's human nature we have to accept that that's part of the journey um, and so sometimes when we're like going for recovery where our body feels great and we feel happy all the time, it is a set up for failure long-term. And that is one of the issues I see in the community where they feel great until they don't. And then they're like, oh no, I'm, what's wrong? And I'm like, you're having a human experience. Yeah. You're having a human experience. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yes. And I feel so grateful that you brought up too how sometimes you think you're healed and then you go live life and you're like, oh, whoa, what's happening? And that's another component too, is like, we have to say yes to life and we have to take these, these risks and live and do these things and interact and have relationships because the healing, you know, I can go take all the courses in the world on relationships. Mm -hmm. I can call myself a relationship expert, but until I'm in relationship, healing in relationship, <laughs> you yeah. know, like I'm not, I'm not <laughs> succeeding with the relationship. So I think that's such a huge part is, is, um, is living the experiences and then integrating the tools into these experiences so that we can heal through them, through living. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And that's really what um, encouraged me to kind of create the um, mentorship that I have, the Primal Trust Mentorship, is really to help people like get back into living through integrating all of these pieces that are missing um, in the different programs if they would communicate with each other and, um, you know, make a more holistic map, it would be there. But 
that's really been my inspiration to, yeah, help people get back into living fully. Yes, I love it. <laughs> and I do, I also want to make a note, like, yes, 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 to um, us needing to be able to regulate our emotions or like um, elevate our emotions as well. Like I, you know, something I'm always saying to like some of my friends is like, Hey, no, this isn't about, cause people are like, Oh, is this just like be positive all the time? I'm like, no, 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 no. This is about like, feel the feelings that are warranted, feel them fully. But like at the same time, the conscious us, we get to make a choice to also elevate our mood, you know? So cry if you need to cry. But then when you feel that you've expressed and experienced the grief that needs to be felt, mm -hmm. now you get to stand in your, yeah. you know, your power and say, and now I'm going to watch a funny video and make myself laugh. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you get to go back to choosing who you want to be and what your emotional vibrational signature is after yeah. you process that experience. Yeah. 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 And I just, I really do love because the way that you're explaining it and that, that we're discussing it is it's so much more empowering. And like I said, sometimes it can be misconstrued or misunderstood and, and feel disempowering, but this way of coming to understand it is extremely empowering. Hmm. Thanks. Yeah. Um, and so, okay, gosh, there's like millions of questions I want to ask you. Where do I go? Where do I go? Okay, I want to talk about this actually because we're talking about, um, we've talked about a little bit about like knowing who you are and who you are not and how important that is in your healing journey to like, because you're going to bump up against these false programs, these false beliefs, these false um, react, you know, these reactions that aren't our truth. Mm -hmm. Um, so something I want to talk about is values. And I know you put a video out recently about determining false versus true values. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I know that I also learned that knowing, like really knowing my values is so important in my healing because it drives our choices and our decisions consciously. Mm -hmm. And, um, and just for years I've known, I've known how much value work plays a role in when you're making um, like setting goals and then honoring them and taking the action steps. Like for example, you know, I think you even gave an example about like, I, you say you want to be healthy and fit, but you're more committed to like being comfortable on your couch mm -hmm. and having a fitness background. The values is something that I've always talked to people about because it's so important to really be clear on what your values are free of judgment. Because if being more comfortable is what is truly your value right now, that's also okay. And it could shift and change over time. So what are your suggestions on um, helping people? Like if people were like, well, how do I know what are my real values? Like how do you direct people to tap into that truth? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this, this question is, um, this is probably one of the core pieces in everything I teach in the mentorship. And it is not easily done. It is a process because you're having to sift out the difference between your values and the values you were programmed to have, the values you were told that you should have. And um, that process is, it is, uh, it's, it can take a while. So I usually have people start by visualizing themselves uh, when they were at their happiest, when they were in their most bliss, the doing what they love, like that feeling. And often that can happen as a child. When you 
can remember the moments that you love doing something. Within those memories is a value that's there that is like truly yours. Like I value that because it has this feeling of bliss of losing yourself uh, to just, you know, to the moment and, um, you know, just being like, oh my gosh, I love this. So you start by finding the memories where you know you were in like your best, most essence uh, of expression. From there, those are going to be kind of like your breadcrumbs. Like, okay, um, I was doing this. These are the adjectives that describe that experience. And as you look at that over time, you'll map out different values. Um, and sometimes those values can be, you can realize that you're valuing things that maybe the people that you're in relationship with or if you're in a religion, they don't fit. And that was my experience where when I started this process, I was like, oh, no, what I value is wrong or it's not going to be accepted. Um, and so sometimes we have sabotage processes keeping us from discovering our values because on some level, these parts know that it could create disruption in your life because it might not be, uh, you might be living values that aren't yours and that could be cause, that could cause issues in your relationship. So know that in the process of finding values, it's a big process. You know, it's, um, you know, I teach a process that's like several months long to figure out people's values. So answering it quickly is to just know you start by figuring out what you love and when you are at your best. And in those experiences are going to be some indicators. You know, for me, I love adventure. I love mystery. I love um, being uh, unbridled. Um, I actually love being disruptive. <laughs> I love um, uh, alchemy experiences, transformation experiences. Um, some people actually love being comfortable. They love, and that's why often they choose comfort over that goal. Or they love being peaceful. They love being peaceful. And so, you know, they might keep the peace in their life um, at the expense of, you know, being truthful because they're valuing peace over truth. And go ahead. I was going to say, though you mentioned like there's sometimes false values, like values yeah. that appear very real to us, but they could have been from conditioning or programming yeah. or just learned. Yes. So a lot of times that like that comfortable one can be a learned one, you know, yeah. because it's easier to stay in your comfort zone. Yes. But at first, sometimes you have to at least acknowledge and own that that's the value you're choosing. And over time mm -hmm. in the process, you know, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> you will learn that, oh, this is a value of a part of me that values this because it gives it a sense of safety and like security. Again, yeah. that's why you kind of start where you're at. And as you go through, um, different uh, consciousness expansion processes and brain rewiring processes, you'll become more aware of the difference between your adult true self, your main personality versus parts of you that, um, you know, have certain values. Like for example, the codependent part might really value um, doing everything to keep the relationship together at the expense of uh, separation, like to not feel separation. And so a part of you might really value, um, serving and helping um, doing anything to keep somebody happy because it values connection and code, you know, having that codependent relationship above anything. And so you just are owning that that's where you're at. 
But in that process of owning where you're at and saying, you know, I'm like consciously choosing to like, I'm valuing being codependent right now. That consciousness eventually starts to grow you up where you can discern um, your true values, which is, oh, I value connection. But what's another way of doing that? Because right now I'm actually getting false connection because I'm going against myself to get this connection in this codependent relationship. So even the false values are breadcrumbs, again, to help you discover what you truly value and going about meeting that need and that getting that value, living that value in a way that's more aligned with your adult self, um, which is a process of discovery. Yes, that's so good. And I feel like when you can think of it from that perspective, again, that helps to take the the guilt or shame or judgment yes. out of it because it's like, I'm not guilt. I don't have to feel guilt or judgment. There's no judgment. There's no reason for shame because I'm valuing comfort. It's just, it is where, what it is. And it's where I'm at today. I love how you said the consciousness of it, of knowing where you're at today will help you grow um, yeah. into something new. I, I also find that a lot of times, and you mentioned this, a lot of times what we think is our value is really, there's something underlying. There's something under deeper underneath it. Like how you said, mm-hmm. often the comfort is really a value for safety, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so there's usually some other driving force underneath it. And, and ultimately knowing what drives that is um, usually helpful. Yeah. And in fact, one of my main processes is called a value deepening process. And we go through a sequence of basically brain rewiring experiences to get finally to the drive or the strive of that value. And that's really your core. So you've kind of nailed it on your head that there is a drive for that value. Like for me, why do I want to go on vacations? I, I really value adventure. When I do my process, the very end of it, the drive is I love the feeling of being in awe and wonder. I love that feeling. That's my drive. That's my drive. That's why I want to go on adventures. I love the feeling of awe. So, yeah, values is a it's it's it seems very like a very superficial thing to go for, but it's an incredibly um, enriching process of self discovery and creating um, uh, hmm, foundational. Um, awareness pieces, uh, to go after in your life, um, orientation guides basically. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure you've experienced this also just for the sheer fact that we're finding the underlying value of a value, but, um, in, in the healing journey, often we find that they shift the value shift. Like what was once important is no longer like, Oh, that actually doesn't really matter to me anymore. This is really important now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because we're evolving beings of love and light and we're going to keep evolving. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, that's so awesome. Okay. So I want to talk about attunement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a word that I haven't really um, have had anyone really discuss so far in the podcast episodes. Yeah. And you talk a lot about attunement and you talk about super conscious higher self brain rewiring. And I'm so curious (laughs) from your personal perspective, how that is different from a general brain rewiring program like DNRS. Absolutely. So attunement was the word that I decided to use to describe my process um, that I am doing that's uh, helping with remodeling memory structures. Um, 
Attunement basically means that um, you are attuning your subconscious, you're attuning your belief systems to be in more of a harmonious um, mindset, kind of like you would tune an instrument that's playing off key to play on key. So attunements were really born when I was doing brain retraining and I was um, trying to consciously, you know, rewire my memory structures and rewire my triggers. I felt like, my gosh, there's got to be a better way because this is this is taking, this is, I'm doing this over and over and over and my conscious mind cannot get at some of this unconscious stuff. It just can't. I can't trigger the appropriate like uh, initial event to rewire that initial event. And I knew that some of the things that I was working on was really ancient old stuff. And so I started, you know, doing what I do, which I have a, you know, a pretty strong energetic and spiritual practice and just started talking to my higher self, like higher self, I know that you, higher self, which is the super conscious field, that is the field of intelligence that knows everything about everyone, knows how to grow a, a baby in the womb, knows how to grow the oak tree outside. It's the intelligence that connects us all. And we're all connected through that, to that intelligence, to that super conscious field, to the quantum field, through our higher self, through the part of us that has known us our whole life and knows everything. And so I was like, I consciously don't know how to get at some of these triggers. Higher self, I know you do. And so I started communicating with the higher self and basically giving it commands and prompts to go find the memory structures that were creating this trigger and let those memory structures know how I feel about that same trigger in the present moment, in the current day reality. Because ultimately it's about bridging our perceptions of the past with our perceptions of the present moment. But um, we need to be able to light up that neural pathway of the past to be able to fully rewire that and do the memory reconsolidation process. Um, and so I started kind of doing this energetic method of rewiring myself and it was amazing. Um, and so I started doing this with my clients and I started doing it with groups and I decided to call an attunement where we are helping them to uh, do brain retraining instead of consciously, super consciously, where we're talking with the higher self and saying, higher self, you know what parts are in here that don't want to do this. You know what parts are being triggered. You know what memory structures are causing this. Higher self, you know where the emotional patterns are lodged in the body. Can you find that and uh, remedy that? Can you uh, find that original memory and um, rewire that to the present moment so that there's an exchange of information that happens between the past and the present. And people started having really great responses. And so I was like, okay, I'm onto something. And then I started learning about some other therapists that were doing similar things. And I was like, oh my gosh, so I'm not the only one. And at the time it felt a little woo woo and I was a little afraid to share it because, you know, I didn't fully know what I was doing. I just knew that I was doing something. So I started to learn about some other therapists, that, trauma therapists that were doing a similar thing. They called it a recode where they were uh, talking with the subconscious and talking with parts and fragments and uh, chakra systems and energy structures and basically doing brain retraining just like the DNRS practice or other brain retraining practices, but in a different, higher way. And I was like, this is so it. And so I just started learning as much as I could from them in addition to how I was already doing it. And that's when I created 
my brain rewiring attunement process, which, you know, I'm basically speaking to people's um, higher self. I'm using a lot of metaphor, a lot of symbol, a lot of prompts, and I'm not the one doing the rewiring. I'm speaking to the higher self of the person, and that higher self goes and, you know, finds the memory structures or parts that might need to um, be assisted in remodeling, um, and your higher self knows exactly what you're ready for and what you're not, so I don't need to worry about figuring that out or finding the memory or finding the trauma. You don't need to relive any of that. Like, it's just a matter of saying, I'm ready to integrate this now. I'm ready to process that emotion. I'm ready to uh, let that part know that I'm all grown up and I'm okay. Break, you know, that basically sums it up. Let that part know in that time when I was four, I can handle that feeling now. I'm okay. And so that's a really long explanation. Did you follow me? Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> thank you so much. It's, um, it's, it's, yeah, because I was going to say, I've, I've heard attunement specifically, uh, in reference, uh, to attuning, you know, the, the autonomic nervous system. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so actually that makes so much sense. The work you're doing, have you ever heard of, um, the brain guy? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He does that. He speaks. That's basically the work he does is like an energy work where he, speaks to your higher self and the superconscious to help create shifts, trusting that the superconscious, as you said, it knows, it knows what you're yeah. ready for. It yeah. knows what miracles are available for you today. It knows what you, and it knows where to find in your body, what's being stored and what needs released. And, mm -hmm. and so, yeah, that makes so much sense. I, 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 I love that you're bridging that gap because even when I was speaking to him, I was like, Oh, this, it felt a lot like there was a lot of um, crossovers mm -hmm. in what he was doing with what we were doing with brain retraining. But yeah, he's, I love how you explain it so simply like he, he and yourself, they're basically working with uh, the, the brain rewiring, but from a super conscious perspective. Yeah. And I think you're yeah. going to find that this is really the cutting edge. I mean, there are a lot of people being trained, um, there's a program of people training people uh, doing this. It's not exactly like my attunement method. Um, again, it's, it's called a recode and a lot of people are getting trained on how to do this. And then what happens is, you know, I just have my own personal way of doing it because I'm the witnesser. So I have my own experience that allows me to, you know, kind of tap into the field and observe what I think and feel inspired and intuitively guided to bring to that person. And so, um, you know, I think that's, that's what's exciting about it is we're um, working together consciously. Um, and um, yeah, I, I, do, I do believe this is one of the things in the future. You're just going to see more and more people coming up with it their own way. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of got this quantum piece to it, but really it's very scientific. It's, it is memory reconsolidation and it's speaking to the subconscious in a way that it can receive uh, information. And so- yeah. It's exciting. I just, I use, I bridge a lot of my background with energy medicine and symbology and my ability to see patterns and, you know, basically give commands as I feel inspired to, um, you know, to help with the brain rewiring process. That's awesome. I love it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I love that you're, you're realizing that there's all these beautiful facets of um, modalities out there and that you're able to organically bring them together in a way that feels right. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, have you ever heard of the book Feelings Buried Alive Never yeah. Die? One of my yeah. very first books. <laughs> okay, because that's exactly what you're that's what she has you do in that book is talk to your higher conscious. Yeah. Like finding um 
hey, super conscious, like locate the, um, locate like in my body where these cellular memories are stored and what they originated from. Yeah, so that, exactly. And like replace that with this instead. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. It's a formula. So it's a, it's a formula and then it's just dropping into your own inspiration. The trick is doing this on your own for yourself has a bit of a challenge because if we are resistant to that part that we are trying to remodel, we actually can't fully see it. And if you can't fully see it, it's hard to remodel it. So having someone sometimes outside of you speaking to that part, because I have no resistance to the part of you that's creating this trauma response. I'm able to more easily talk to that part, whereas in ourself, it can be a little challenging. So if I'm really challenged, I will have somebody else attune me because I know that I have resistance to actually integrating that particular part. So, yeah. Okay. So when you were doing all this, like these, you know, layer upon layer of this deep work, did you ever also have anyone help you? Oh yeah. Oh my God. Okay. You oh yeah. Do it alone. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, I think that just like trauma happens with other people, trauma heals with other people because we are, uh, we're often blind to our own programming, you know, and yes. I definitely, um, yeah, I definitely, and yeah, a lot of it was, a lot of it has been self-inspired. A lot of it has been learning things and assimilating that into my own way. And then a lot of people have helped me for sure. For sure. Yeah. That's so good. And I, cause like, I'm all obviously all about empowering people and, and recognizing that we are all self healers and we all have the ability, but yeah, we absolutely get in our own way. And having coaches or guides to support us and help us see our blind spots is so powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, no. Totally. Mm -hmm. Okay. I want to go here. I want to talk about your perspective on awaken the term awakening and healing and ascension, because it is definitely something that we haven't I haven't really brought up or discussed in any of my previous episodes. And I just, I, I love your perspective about so many things. So I'm really excited mm -hmm. to just hear a little bit about your perspective on that. Yeah. Um, first of all, I will say that in my work, I often ask people to replace the term healing with transformation. Mm, because healing, that. yeah, because healing, we have a particular mindset about what that means. We have a belief system and a construct. And when you fall short of a construct or you fall short of what it means to be healed, you don't feel like you're there. And it also has this kind of um, like definitive point, like, oh, when I'm doing this, then I'm healed. And then what can happen is, let's say you feel healed well, and then all of a sudden something happens that you're not feeling good again. Then you're like, oh, no, I'm not healed anymore. And it's a stress response. It's, it's this unattainable thing, really. And transformation is more, um, I feel like it's more accurate because that's really what we're doing. We're these beautiful beings of light that's consciously expanding our understanding of our nature and our bodies are our teacher and our, our life experiences are, are teaching us. And so we're in this transformation process and, and illness is uh, a great transformation uh, catalyst. And so it, it's more empowering because every day you can recognize ways that you are undergoing transformation versus if you're looking for how you've, how you're healed that day it can be disheartening. And, um, and so it just redirects the orientation 
of what you're focusing on. So that's what I would say about healing. I'd say focus on transformation, and that's really what my whole work is all about, is transformation. Um, secondly, um, awakening and ascension. Awakening is, to me, the process of recognizing that we are co-creating a reality. Just awakening to the fact that this isn't just happening to us and awakening to the realization that um, our unconscious mind and programming has really been running most of our thoughts and behaviors. Awakening is like, oh my gosh, I'm ac actually at the wheel of this car and I can drive it. Like, I can drive this car. And, um, and I want to be free of my programming that I'm not even choosing my thoughts and my, my uh, worldviews because they've been chosen for me. And I yeah. want to choose for myself. So awakening to me isn't like some, like you become, I don't know, enlightened. It's, oh my gosh, I am co-creating my reality and I need to examine my beliefs and my worldviews and my values and my programming and make sure that I actually agree with this. Um, so that's, that's what I would say about awakening is realizing like, holy cow, you know, there's, uh, I'm a, I'm. I'm here and I, I can create my reality. Ascension to me is where our frequency starts to shift. Our frequency meaning our electromagnetic field. And if you've studied, you know, heart coherence practices or Joe Dispenza's work, um, you probably have heard about having a, a, an electromagnetic field around you with a certain frequency. Much like different emotions have different frequencies. You know, you've got like the emotion of shame and guilt, which has a very dense uh, vibration, and then there's the frequency of joy and bliss, which is another whole uh, electromagnetic field. Um, kind of like colors. Colors have different frequencies to them. Well, I see ascension as a process of shifting our frequency, shifting our electromagnetic field, shifting our dimensional reality. Um, again, this is, you know, I don't know, how does that sound for, for beginning? I love it. I love that explanation because I think that, I think that those two terms can also get really convoluted in yes. the world, and yes. um, they can take on meanings of their own and get really. And then, and then, unfortunately, it can often deter people from them the, from exploring what it means, or mm -hmm. it can lead to resistance mm -hmm. and. And I see, once again, I just love these explanations because they're so much more, again, empowering and inclusive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can be awakened and be resonating at a pretty low uh, frequency um, on your ascension scale. Like, I've had many times where I am, like, running the frequency of rage and anger, even though I've definitely felt awakened um, to my, my nature. So... I think that our ascension process is, you know, over time, we, we, once we become awakened, we become more responsible for self-generating our, our own electromagnetic field. And so you're going to shift and ebb and flow in the process. Um, it's not like you get to some stage and you just stay there. It's like, it's just uh, a new way of seeing how you're navigating reality. And to me, I'm, you know, instead of just thinking like, oh, how do I want to feel today? It's like, what is my frequency? What, what do I want to radiate? What's my um, electromagnetic field going to be like? What am I creating? Because I know that that field will result in a coherence process with my children and with the people I interact with. And I think of myself, um, especially now that I'm doing all of this leadership, that I'm holding a grid, uh, an electromagnetic grid to help people calibrate too. So 
I feel responsible uh, more than ever to um, be mindful of my awakening process and my uh, ascension um, focus. So yeah, that's how I'm approaching it. And I want to um, point out, because so you, as you say all that, though, just to like um, clarify and to reiterate for anyone listening, you're not in that experience. You're not denying your true feelings. You're, no. If you have a day that you feel truly raged or angry, yeah. that's also okay. Yes. I and think the difference is how long we stay in it. Exactly. As you ascend, as you awaken, you can you still have your, we're human. We're going to always have feelings yes. and they're all okay. The whole spectrum of emotions are all okay. Regardless of frequency. The difference mm-hmm. is that we tend to move through them faster mm-hmm. when we have a more awakened, um, ex, uh, like a perspective because in, at least from my perspective, then what you're doing is you're not attaching the stories in the same mm-hmm. way. Exactly. And, and hey, sometimes we still react. But yeah. I think I noticed that we come back to consciousness faster. Yeah, you, you really nailed it. You know, awakening and ascension doesn't mean that you don't get angry. Angry is it's a brilliant emotion. It's, it's, it lets us know our boundary. It's about um, holding on to the past. So in this moment, I might feel anger. And if I fully own it, I'm still in alignment. That is still higher frequency. Like I'm owning my human experience of anger and I'm fully, um, I'm not blaming. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm owning. And then in the next moment, let it be new. Let it be new. If you've owned it, if you've processed, that's how you process it. If you're fully able to own it, then you can process that particular emotion of fear, of anger, whatever. Then it frees you up for the next moment to create something different. If you don't own it, if you're not fully, like if a lot of times I see people in the spiritual world like wanting to be positive all the time, but what they're doing is they're denying their human self, which um, keeps you from fully processing that experience. So, yeah. yeah. And feelings buried alive never die. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's stuck in your field, whether you like it or not, until it's processed. So, isn't that movie, the, the Disney movie Inside Out, so brilliant? Mm-hmm. Because it really is such a beautiful um, ex, like a example of how incredibly beautiful the emotion anger and sadness can actually be they are rich beautiful emotions um yeah yeah absolutely absolutely yeah Yeah. anger i think often does lead us to determining a boundary Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. and i know i know something for me is like it might lead me to being like oh okay, there's this boundary that's being crossed right now. And this boundary is actually really important to me. And sometimes it's, oh, um, I'm getting angry about this, this belief that, oh, that's actually not even my belief. I learned that as a child and it's really not a belief I want to hold on to anymore. And Mm -hmm. so I get to like make a different choice right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, um, I love my anger. I've really had to, and I have to, I mean, I'm a very passionate, um, you know, I, I, I have passion and anger and light. I've got all of those emotions and I really had to make peace with that. That was part of my process of learning how to value those other emotions. When I was taught not to value them, that they were bad, that they were not good, that they were, you know, evil and wrong and 
It's part of why I was so sick because I had a lot of anger in me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think, well, because you know, you know, doctor, you had mentioned in your bio that you know you're, you're familiar with the work of Dr. Sarno. Yes, very. Yeah, and he, I mean, he has um, made mention that one of the underlying most frequent emotions that are that are um, found to be underlying uh, chronic illness and pain is is rage, is some yeah. form of rage, deep seated yeah. anger that has been unexpressed. Yeah, 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 and, and it's, it's, it's yeah, miss exactly, and it's you know it, it's difficult because when you're a kid, you're not really. I mean, some of us are lucky enough, but I think most of us probably aren't lucky enough to have been taught how to manage the the feeling of anger in a really productive way which leads to unproductive ways of managing it which leads to judgment or ridicule and then shame Mm -hmm. and then you know in my experience I know that I when I was younger I didn't ever learn how to manage it so I would have these terrible mean outbursts where I said very hateful things that I would then regret and feel shame and feel like I was a terrible person and speaking of like the spiritual journey and the positivity all the time, I, I went through this phase in my 20s where I had felt so bad about all that and I had I'd vowed to never be that person. And it was to my detriment because mm-hmm. rather than learning how to actually deal with the emotions in a really productive way, mm-hmm. I just started suppressing them and stuffing them. And I would not allow myself to get angry um, there was a time I had a therapist for a while and she had pointed out, she's like, do you realize you can't even use the word angry? Like you <laughs> refuse to even acknowledge that emotion. And I was like, no, cause everything was just like low key frustrating. Right. Yeah. And, um, and so that was a huge eye opener for me because it's also no coincidence that I started having so many of my physical issues in those very same years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Totally. So, yep. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, this is so good because I know that I think, I know that I have a lot of listeners who are really immersed in the TMS community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and they're, they're really tapping into the somatics and they're tapping into um, the inner child work. And then I know I have a lot of people in the brain retraining community who are really tapped into um the rewiring process, but for so long, I've really felt like there was this, um, bridge, this, this gap that needed to be bridged. And I saw the brilliance in both, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, so I really love how this conversation has come together and kind of brought these different modalities together and the way that you've explained how they can really, um, support one another. Yeah. Yeah, they do. They, they, um, they are needed by each other and, uh, how they've gotten so separated, I, I have no idea. It makes no sense to me. But um, yeah, yeah, the brain and the body go together, guys. So mind, body, like as Dr. Yep. Sarno said, it doesn't even deserve a hyphen. It's like one word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, can you tell everyone listening a little bit more about what you're up to as far as your um it, you know, if you're doing one-on-one coaching and then a little bit more about your primal trust, or if you have any other group programs and, yeah. um, you know, so yeah. people felt like really connected to you and they want to reach out and see what more they could, uh, 
what yeah. other ways they could connect. Absolutely. So I have a few entry points of how I work. Um, yes, I do one-on-one -on -one coaching, but I'm transitioning more to uh, leading groups just because my practice has um, gotten too big. So you can get one-on-ones. Um, the availability is limited now. But what I'm really passionate about is my primal trust mentorship, which is really where I am weaving together all of these things that we're talking about. And it's um, right now it's a three month process. I might actually make it a six month process. So um, it's been great. People have had uh, the experiences I'm, I've, I was hoping. And um, it's where you're, where I bring in my brain rewiring attunements. You're getting um, the map of how to weave together the brain rewiring, the somatics, the presence process, the identity orientation, attachment parts, um, plus uh, that, super conscious healing of using the attunement. So it's a real great all-in-one process. It's ideal for somebody who already has a, a basic understanding of um, trauma, chronic illness, as it relates to limbic disorder or somatic issues. So um, for those that have a bit of awareness, the primal trust mentorship is a great entry point. And then for there, what I'm creating is I am creating a community um, which I'm excited to be doing as well. And I think of it as a one-stop shop where, you know, I have the background um, of, of brain retraining and neuroscience, polyvagal regulation, somatic uh, movement um, regulation, energy medicine, and doing these attunements. And so I want to create a community where I'm offering um, expertise and guidance in all of those places at once. Um, I'll also be having other awesome thought leaders helping me with that community and helping to people helping people to implement my processes, um, and uh, also to have a little bit of fun with it. You know, I love doing ecstatic ecstatic dance, for example. I want to be able to offer that. I want to have drop in uh, Feldenkrais classes. I want to have drop in brain rewiring, drop in uh, other somatic stuff, drop in attunements. Um, really just creating the platform of transformation that I've been doing myself for years and creating that for the world um, at, a, at a much cheaper rate than, you know, paying me for one-on-one -on -one coaching or paying several different programs. So that's what's coming up. The other thing is um, I do have an entry-level product that is the basic tools of brain retraining, polyvagal regulation, somatics, and energy medicine. It's called Creating Calm. Um, I will be redoing that course um, as well, probably in the next few months. So that is available as like, you know, just an entry level toolkit um, for those that have no experience in any of this. They could always do my creating calm. And lastly, if you're just like, well, I want to know a little bit more about her, but I don't want to join anything. I have a free training on resiliency. It's a three day free video training to just get some ideas about how I work, how I see things and some tools about resiliency to get started. So um, yeah, that's a little bit about what I've got going on. Um, and yeah, I also uh, love talking to people. So I, I hope to be able to do more podcasts and interviews and get the word out there about how to combine these worlds and to truly go through transformation and break free from patterns that have been keeping people sick, stuck, uh, and emotionally and mentally challenged. I love it. Um, so in your mentorship program, mm -hmm. it's a group focus, but um, do you still approach people uniquely or is it kind is it a one size like fits all program or mm -hmm. is it really designed where each person kind of um, 
tackles it or goes through it in their own unique way because they're at it. They're all at different points in their, yeah. in their journey. Yeah. So it right now you can go through it at your own pace where, um, you know, you can go through stuff, but it really is for everyone. The way I teach, if you can't tell with how I talk, I'm able to like see lots of perspectives and, you know, bring them all in one spot. I've had um, no problem with people saying, well, I don't know how this relates to my thing. Like I'm, I'm pretty good at being all inclusive that way with my languaging. Um, so I think it's, it's really great for anyone, especially if they've got some basic understanding of limbic disorder or, um, you know, somatic, uh, somatosensory issues. Um, but it is a recorded process, um, right? I have a live group and I have a recorded group. Um, a lot of people are just joining in on the recorded group so you can go in at your own pace. And then in March, I'll have my community up and running. So you'll have that also for additional support. I do do, um, live, uh, Q and A's for, everybody involved. We have a forum also, which is awesome. And you get a lot of guidance from me and from the other person who's helping me um, teach and um, mentor as well. So you're going to get some, you know, how do I apply this to me on the forum? You'll get a lot of answers there and in the one on and in the Q and A's that are involved in that process. So yeah, so far, I think that pretty much everyone involved comes from, you know, I've got lots of different backgrounds in there and people all enjoyed it. So yeah. Awesome. And you said there's a forum. Is this something for Primal Trust that you already have? Or is that yes. a part of, okay, I, and I it, didn't know if that was integrated yeah. in this community. It will building. be, I will have a separate one in that too. So I'll have, you know, my Primal Trust mentorship, which is mm -hmm. its own process, its own forum, its own teaching. And then I'll have this community for people to join ongoing, um, you know, or during the mentorship, they can do it either way. Um, but I do require that people will have done the mentorship to be part of the community just so they understand the framework and the consciousness that I'm asking people to hold in their transformation process. So, Okay. And so the, the community for, um, forum and just the community group um, experience will be available around March and it will be for anyone who does do the primal trust yeah. specifically. Yeah. Yeah. For ongoing, just again, like a transformation space that um, keeps people not only um, incorporating, you know, the brain and the body, but also their awakening and conscious expansion process. Awesome. Yeah. That sounds brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really want to create a one size fits all platform and that's what I hope this will be. Yeah. But it sounds like even though it's one size fits all, it's not, you're not saying it's one size fits all to healing. You're saying every, it's just that, a one size fits all platform wherever you're at, you can come yeah, together yeah, and yeah. work through it at your pace. Yes. Yes. With some, yeah. Right. So if you're wanting to work on the brain stuff, it's there. If you're ready to work on some somatic stuff, I want to have that in there. If you're really interested in how energy medicine, EFT, all of that can be combined, that'll be there as well. Um, and then just, you know, this consciousness expansion, um, emphasis that I have, um, or attunements that's going to be there as well. So yeah. Um, that's, that's my vision is, you know, combining everything that I found to be helpful um, and helping people see how to put it all together, how to put their own map together. Yeah, because there's so many wonderful tools out there. And if you try to just go explore them all, you can get lost in yes. it all. It's like, oh, yeah. I don't know where to begin. Yeah. What should I do? What shouldn't I do? And, yeah. and, and yeah. you're not saying, oh, it's, you're not like, 
saying it has to be done exactly this way for every single person. No. All You're saying, no. hey, here's all this stuff. Like, let's explore it. Yeah. 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 And, and the mentorship really gives you this, this map where you insert like your way into it. That's why it's really for anyone. I, it's not um, here, do brain retraining or here, do somatics. It's, it's, it's much bigger than that. Um, it's an orientation. It's a complete conscious reorientation to your process of healing and transformation. Sounds fantastic. <laughs> that is awesome. And where can people find you, Kat? Yeah, um, KathleenKing.com. Kathleen with a C, C-A-T-H-L-E-E-N. Uh, King, K-I-N-G.com is my website. I also have a YouTube channel. Um, I believe that's Dr. Kathleen King. I'm on Instagram. Um, but I do have, you know, several videos on YouTube. Um, I've got a couple of attunements on there that you can try out. Um, again, on my website, you can try out the free resiliency training. There's just a tab that says free training or my mentorship. Um, like I said, it's still available at the three month. Uh, it's at its, uh, the lower rate that I have right now. It's just from the pilot run. So if you're interested, I would grab that before I make it into the six month rate, um, soon. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's where you can go. That's awesome. Thank you. And, do you have, like, if you were going to just give, you know, like a, a solid piece of advice or a message to anyone listening, no matter where they're at, do you, do you just kind of have, like, one message that you love sharing with the world? Um, yeah, you know, we have this uh, beautiful multidimensional nature that is waiting to be discovered. But the secret is that we have to accept the human that we are to really know it. And that human that we are is brilliant and beautiful and messy and dark and light. And it's got all of it. And um, that's the key to awakening to our divinity is through deep acceptance and self-compassion of our humanity. That was where my light bulb went off in that dark space. So I leave you with that. Thank you so much. That's beautiful. And thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your wisdom <laughs> and just being such a wonderful source of inspiration and, you know, and, and really great information and perspective. Hmm, thank you. I love, I love talking about transformation. I love it. It lights me up <laughs> like anything else. And um, I love uh, weaving that with multidimensional um, talk. So that's fun for me. I don't get to do that every day with my work and, so I appreciate that. Awesome. <laughs> All right, friends, that's a wrap. Make sure to follow along with Dr. Kathleen King. I feel the community that she is creating um, will be super special. And thank you once again for being here with me. If you have a story that you feel called to share, please reach out to me and let's connect. And until next time, make this week great.